How are y'all doing today? Woo! And I'm, I'm excited. We had such a powerful time this morning, first service. And it's, the presence of the Lord is here in this one. Well, if you can't feel it, your spiritual antennas are just broke. But I know you do. I don't know, I think sometimes you just got to let things just kind of like sink in. What the Lord is saying to us. Just let us settle down deep. So let's, let's just do that for a moment. I know that was kind of, it seemed like Pastor Tyler was like, can't rush this. It's just something of how the Holy Spirit speaks to us when we allow him to. And how many know sometimes the Holy Spirit's really trying to get your attention? Hello? <laughs> Hello? And we just kind of like go about our business. Hello? How many know it was God that came down in the cool of the day and began to walk with man? Adam? Hello? It wasn't, it was, you know, Adam would answer them. Yeah, Lord, I'm over here. Then they'd start walking. It was God's idea to have a conversation with, with humanity. It's always God's idea to have a conversation with you. Hello? May I have a moment? A lot of times your, your prayer, God, just speak to me. That's God, I just need to know your will. And he's been knocking on the door. <laughs> Hello? Can I have a moment? So we come here today. Our main emphasis, my staff, myself, everyone up here on this platform, is not to get through a schedule of events. The pre-plan before the plan. The overarching plan, overseeing all the other plans. And we've got it planned out. But the pre-plan that goes before all the other plans is the Holy Spirit is the leader. And the Holy Spirit will oversee it. Because this is about God's work. Wanting to speak to God's people. And have God moments in their lives. So thank you for availing yourself to even come. Be in the house of the Lord this week. Whether you're a regular attendee or you're a guest. I'm so glad you made the time to come. And God is wanting to speak. Perhaps he already has. Just begun to download. Just begin to download already in your heart. And just begin to download. And I've found that most of the times when God downloads to me, it's really not that complicated, and it's not a whole lot. It's just maybe a few words at a time that God downloads. But what I find is it's real and it's timely. <laughs> it's something I really needed. 
Well, that's my prayer today, even in the preaching of God's Word. We're going to go to John 17. We began a sermon series last week entitled, You Gotta Get This. You Gotta Get This. Uh, because the vital truths of Christianity is what will help you overcome in this life. The vital basic truths of Christian living is what will help you overcome in this life. You got to get this. So last week, I, I, just, I just started with some of the basics, just the ABCs of Christianity. The ABCs of Christianity. Let's keep it simple. But that's what's really going to help undergird you, strengthen you, support you, the foundation of God's Word, what it really means to be a Christian. If you were not here last week, I'd encourage you to, to watch the podcast and get it this week. Watch it and get a hold of it. So today we're going to move right on with that same idea. You've got to get this. Uh, but we're going to go from John 17 today. We're going to start with John 17. And in John 17, we find Jesus praying. I appreciate the fact that the Holy Spirit led John to uh, gather this, I believe it was an entire prayer. We don't get that too often, uh, the whole of Jesus praying, uh, uh, an entire prayer of his. But I believe this is one of those rare occasions in Scripture we get to, we get to listen in on the Lord praying. And so Jesus begins by praying and committing himself and what he has done to the Lord and said, I'm coming back to home with you, Father. So he's reuniting, in a sense, his, his passion to be, be with God the Father all the time again. Leaving earth, going back to heaven. And then he begins to pray for his disciples, those that were walking with him at that time. And then he prays for those who would join him later, join those later. In other words, followers of God, like right now. So he's praying for them, praying for us. Let's go to John chapter 17, verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. Say, in the world. Okay. Let's drop down to verse 13. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. So that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you just have too much joy? You're just running around this life, this world, and you're in your car one day and you're thinking, God, don't do it anymore. Don't give me any more joy. I'm just, I can't stand it. How many of you are like, that's probably most all the time, huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that? <laughs> Probably not so. How many of you say, Pastor, I, 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 can, I can kind of remember and recall times in my life where I had a, a really a good heaping of joy, a good dose of joy, where I like, felt like, man, the heavens just opened up and <clears throat> the glory of God was all over me and the joy of the Lord just saturated me and, and I just couldn't help it. I just had to look up and smile at God. I was smiling at everybody. I just sensed God's presence in me and I didn't care what was going on around me. I was just having a good time and, and I felt the joy of the Lord. You know, maybe we can recall those times. I can recall some times like that, but I've got to be honest. Can I be real with you? I can't say, honestly speaking, I can't say 
that 24-7, ever since I gave my heart to the Lord, I can't honestly say that I've, been, I, I've experienced and walked in the full measure of Jesus' joy. Matter of fact, I'll say that probably more times than not, I don't have the fullness of his joy. Somehow it drains. And I think sometimes, though, I've kind of thought, well, the joy of the Lord, and I get, it, I get a, an idea of what it's supposed to be, and it's probably a miscalculation, a false expectation, an unrealistic idea. I dare say that's probably where most of us are in Christianity. We have this preconceived notion of what it is to walk in the fullness of his joy. Perhaps it looks like something like this. That we think that if we're walking in the fullness of his joy, that we're always going around with a song on our lips. we got a strut in our step. You know, we've always just got a smile. And everything around us is rosy. You know. We're on the top of the mountain looking down on creation and the only explanation I can find. That, that's kind of like an old song. But anyway, on the top of the world looking down on... Okay, never mind. That's too old for you guys. And we have this idea that we just got to be walking around with this, with this feeling of all is good with my soul. And, and that may not be true. However, he did say it. As a matter of fact, if you go back two chapters in the recording of his, of his words, he had emphasized to the fellows on the night that he was going to be betrayed and, and the trial would begin and he would be crucified. In the Last Supper setting, Jesus emphasized in his teaching recorded in John 15, Jesus said these things that I, I have written to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy would be full. And then he says it here again in John 17. But to help us understand that, that, that the joy of the Lord is, is not to be uh, miscalculated or, uh, or uh, uh, not reality, like we've got to understand that in John 16, verse 33, tucked in between the two sayings of the promise and the desire for you to have joy, Jesus also said this, John 16, verse 33, Oh, in this world you will have tribulation. Now he's talking reality here. Because some of you are saying, well, I'm not a positive person, I'm not, a, I'm not pessimistic, and I'm not an optimistic, I'm a realist. So for you realists, Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation, but Jesus says, yet yeah, you've got to get that stinking thinking out of your head, because he said in the next few words, he says, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. So Jesus says, all right, you're going to have some bad days. You're going to wake up, and your breath is going to stink all day long. The worst zit you've ever seen is going to pop out at your nose at the worst moment. Okay, I'm talking to young people right now, like, no, you girls are beautiful complexions. Thank God you've never had a pimple. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulations. Keeping it real. But he also said, 
but be of good cheer. And here's the key that I would really want us to hammer in on this. He said, I have overcome the world. Now, John 17 again. Go on down to verse 14. He's praying. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world. For they are not of the world. Any more than I am. Verse 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. So there's two phrases, albeit I wish it was all one phrase, albeit, but we can put them together and make it a compound phrase. Jesus said these two things earlier. He said they are in the world. But then here now he says it twice, but they are not of the world. So I want you to think about it like this, and this is going to be the focus for the, uh, at least the next couple of weeks. In the world, but not of the world. In the world, but not of the world. Today I want to start with the back end of that. But not of the world. So say that with me, the entire phrase. In the world, but not of the world. Say it again all together. In the world, but not of the world. Okay. Now, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And I'm not a part of this world. And they're not of this world, even as I'm not of this world. Now, that's a whole big mind shift. That's a paradigm shift. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your true and proper worship. Then verse 2, therefore, verse 2, therefore, verse 2, and we're doing verse 2. Is that on your screen? And we're in verse 2 right now. Thank God. It's another translation, so I'm reading it out of this. And do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, that's a huge, huge statement, command. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. See, that's the world you were born of, that you're no longer of. The pattern of this world. You understand that if you're going to go diving down deep into the bottom of the ocean, the further down deep you go, the deeper you go, the greater the pressure is of the water surrounding you. When they went to look for the Titanic, the divers had to get into a pod-like submarine to dive down deep to the bottom of the ocean. Because they realized that the further down deep, if they, get, if they went without a submarine, they would have been flattened like a pancake. Because the pressure of the ocean water, the deeper you go, is too, is too much. The human body is not meant to live in that kind of pressure. 
So they had to go down deep into a, a pod-like submarine and go down and go down. Now, what was the key to the submarine? It had been pressurized. And so it didn't matter how deep it went. The pressure on the inside was greater than the pressure on the outside. Now, a lot of Christians will leave church today. or all around America and the world, really. And they're going to go right out into the pressure of the world. And they're going to experience such pressure that they're that it'll cause them to have headaches. Many people will be overcome by stress because the pressure of the world. Many people will become ill because the pressure of the world. That's the pattern of this world. Now you can't help it, just like the, just like the ocean, the deeper you get into it, the greater the pressure, you can't help it. That's the way the ocean works. And the way that this world works is that there is pressure, pressure, pressure upon you. But here's the secret. Just like the submarine pressurized on the inside, you as a believer have greater pressure on the inside of you than the pressure on the outside of you. Jesus said, greater is he, or the scripture says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Meaning no matter what kind of pressure you face in the world, you will not collapse, you will not give in, and you don't have to follow its pattern or be conformed to its pattern any longer. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do you understand that? So we're not to conform any longer. You don't have to. When you were born in this world and you were of this world, you couldn't help it. You were following the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world, it sets your values. It determines why you think what you think. It makes you make judgments of who you are and who everybody else is. It sets your parameters of life. It sets your paradigms of thinking because that's the pattern of this world. It tells you how to think, what to think, why you think what you think. So many people are under that pressure of, I've got, to have, I've got to have a certain position if I'm going to be, quote, successful in life. That's the pattern of this world. I've got to have so many possessions if I'm going to, if I'm going to, look, if I'm going to make it in life. That's the pattern of this world. I, I, I've got to be around certain people uh, and, and, be, and be called by a certain title if I'm, going to, if I'm going to be successful because that's the pattern of this world. I've got to gain a certain place in life, a certain position in life, because if I don't, then I'm failed by the judgments of the world, because that's the pattern of this world. But the apostle says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Why? Because we're not of this world. Are you with me? Now, as much as I really intended just to kind of talk to you today and just teach Sometimes the preacher gets the best of me, okay? So stay with me, all right? So what has to happen here that we're not conformed any longer? To, how's that? We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, we've got to be honest with ourselves. That means something needs to be renewed. Something needs to be renewed. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let me just put it to you like this. You came into Christianity with a certain set of parameters and paradigms or thinking, the way you thought. We'd call it presuppositions. And when you read the Bible, you had presupposed ideas about God. You had presupposed ideas about yourself. 
you had presupposed your view of this world and life at large. You came in with certain presuppositions. In other words, it had been preset for you. Now, you may never have thought of it when you were six or seven years old. Huh, I wonder what set of, uh, of uh, values I've, I've accumulated all, already in my life. You probably never thought, huh, I wonder what preset my, my grandparents had regarding this. You probably didn't even think about it. Matter of fact, you probably have thought about it a whole lot, even though you might be 60 years of age. Or less, slightly. See, I'm presupposing because your hair is grayer than mine, you must be older than me. But that's not the truth. <laughs> You're such a young man. And not even yet in your prime. But we have certain presuppositions. And that's what causes us to think and glean what we do, what we get. So the Apostle Paul says, now if you want to be transformed, there's got to be a shift. Even as you were born again, there has been a shift in your spirit. You have come alive. You've come alive. And we're going to talk about that more and more. I'll try to get into it some today, but for sure next Sunday. And that is this, this understanding that you have a whole new place of living. You have a whole new position in life. You have a whole new identity. have a whole new name. You are a brand new person. And we'll get into all that the scripture says about that, particularly out of Ephesians chapter 1. How God sees you now. Where God sees you now. And how all that came about. Because that's realizing that we're not of this world. Let me just kind of set it like this. You have a certain philosophy of life. You have a certain worldview of life. You gained your worldview probably in the environment you were raised by the people you were raised around. And you picked up from that, those persons, a certain attitude, a certain way of doing things, a certain set of values, and you learned to think and process how they did. You, you began to see other people as they saw them. You began to think about God as they saw him. And you made judgments of the world, even of yourself, and measured yourself how they did. And God is trying to get this across to us. Though you're in the world, you're no longer of the world. So what has to happen for that transaction to take place, for that transformation to take place? Our minds must be renewed, but how is it going to be renewed? It must be renewed by what God tells us. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like a fire? declares the Lord. Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? And so it is that we must allow the hammer of God's word to burn away the bad and stinking thinking and to hammer away at strongholds on our mindset that are not like Christ. And, and, and we're not to possess the mind of the world any longer. He's to break our 
stinking thinking, our rotten attitudes with and shatter that pattern so that he sets us into a new pattern where the life-giving water of his word and his spirit can flow successfully through us so that we begin to bear the fruit of his spirit and not continue to bear the fruit of this world. Are you hearing me? Because you're not of the world. As a matter of fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he puts it like this. He says, you know, your spiritual man now alive. And now you're discerning things spiritually. Now you are capable of spiritual discernment. And he says in verse, let's drop on down to verse 16, I believe it is, if you wouldn't mind. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Well, no one of this world. And now notice what he says, but we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. How do I get the mind of Christ? By letting what he says and his view of life and his view of true reality, his truths, his truths to fill and change and renew my mind. Because I'm no longer of this world. I'm of his world. And some of you say, but I have a hard time with that. Because I'm fighting this world all the time. And that's what just boggles my mind when Jesus says, they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. That's a powerful both comparison and likeness. He's saying, oh, Lord, I hope they get this. I'm praying that they get this because that's what he was praying, that they get this. That even as I am not, how many know Jesus was not of this world? You say he was fully divine yet fully human. But where did his humanity come from? It came from Mary, not Adam. He did not inherit the sinful nature of Adam. That's why we sing of the power of his blood. Because it's the Father's blood that passes to the children. It's what recognizes you and sets you apart. Jesus' blood was pure. He never sinned. While Adam was the first Adam, Jesus is the last Adam. And he sets the, he, he reorders God's plan of salvation so that we might have an understanding that though we're still in the world, as, as traumatic as that is, as, as struggling as that can be, as the many trials that we'll face and the tribulations that we'll encounter, we can be of good cheer 
Because Jesus has overcome the world. And when I have my identity in Christ Jesus, I realize that I, though I'm in the world, I'm not of the world any longer. I have a whole new set of values. I have a whole new way of looking at life. I have a whole new mindset. I have on the mind of Christ now. I'm not thinking with stinking thinking any longer. I don't have a horrible mungy attitude any longer. Just because it's Monday doesn't mean rainy days and Mondays always get me down. I am full of life in Jesus Christ. His blood rolls through, rolls through my veins. I'm, I'm pure and holy in the sight of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, hallelujah. Okay, okay, so I slobber and spit a lot. God bless you. Like one kid said, Pastor Troy, do you provide towels in your services? So here we go. I'm ready. I need to teach about an hour and a half. So how many give me five more minutes? Five. 10, 15, 20, 25. We're good to go. Let's go to, let's finally, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. That was the intro. <laughs> you, think, you, you, think, you think I'm joking. <laughs> okay, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to discard a lot of my notes. Amen, yes. Ephesians See, we've got to let God's way of thinking redo our way of thinking so that we can have the mind of Christ. You've got to get this. you really got to get this. Ephesians 1, let's go to 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Newburgh, Evansville, Chandler, Hatfield, Henderson. Anybody from Henderson here? To all you saints, the faithful in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Now, those three words, or two words if you just want to say in Christ. The Apostle Paul, in his writings, and that's about half the New Testament, he saw that picture of our union as premier in overcoming in this life. As being a, quote, a good Christian. As being a strong believer. As fighting the good fight of faith. He wanted his listeners, his learners, the disciples to get that down deep in their soul. In Christ. So much so that he uses that phrase or the likeness there of in Christ with Christ 160 times in his letters. You know, that might not trip your trigger a whole lot, but think about it like this too. In the book of Ephesians alone, he uses this same phrase 36 times. He repeats himself a lot. 
Because he wants to get the point across. That though you are in the world, you're not of the world. And the power of, your, of this picture is this. You are with Christ. You are in Christ. You have a union. Unlike any other union you have. Unlike any other position you'll hold. Greater than any person you could ever get to, to know. This union with Christ is premier. And that sets the stage for all things and all blessings you have in Christ. That sets the stage. Your identity with Him. Now what makes you know that you have a union with Christ? That's a good question. I dare say that if you have a, 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 a yearning to know God better, if you have a desire to go deeper in the Lord, if you sense a higher calling than what this world gives you, if you possess a, a certain uh, frame of mind to, to know that there's more to life than just what I see, if this world can no longer satisfy you like it once did, that, that, that though the satisfaction might come with certain people in certain places and certain possessions and gaining certain positions, if, if that no longer satisfies you, if you're no longer moved by the mighty dollar, if you're no longer consumed by the persons you live with, if you're no longer possessed by the dream of your fallen world, if you have a higher calling and a, and a, and a deeper yearning for the things of God, if you, have a, a, you want to live by a greater cause than just saving planet Earth or whatever, if you have a greater cause than just me, myself, and I, getting more out of this life, according to the pattern of this world, if you have a greater cause, a higher cause than that, I dare say that you are in union with Christ Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit will draw you. God will draw you. He'll draw you into a higher cause. He'll draw you into a deeper yearning for more of Him. He'll, 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 um, he'll burst forth in your imagine to dream dreams that you could never have on your own, but, but for the power of God. You have a greater dream that you possess. You have goals you, you've got to accomplish. You have something that's worth more than just for me, myself, and I. You, you want to live for the, for the sake of humanity. You've got to get the word out. I dare say that he is in you and you are in him. That's how you know. If you have union with Christ, if that doesn't concern you, if that never trips your trigger, so to speak, then you probably don't know God yet. You really don't. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Next Sunday, we're going to go through this. And can I challenge you to do this? Go in your scripture, Ephesians chapter 1, and read chapter 1 and chapter 2. I was going to walk you through it today. I'll walk you through it next Sunday. And underline the blessings 
in verse 3, begins to say it like this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Now, when God says in the heavenly realms, he doesn't mean in the sweet by and by. He means all those blessings that are considered heavenly, from the heavenly, in the heavenly, all those blessings you have now in this world because you're not of this world, you are of him. You no longer belong to this world, you belong to him. So all the spiritual blessings he has planned for you, he is beginning to pour into your life now. We live in what we'd understand, the now and the not yet. We have been saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. We live in the now and the not yet. So even now, though, we possess the blessings of God, and yet one day, we will possess them in their totality without any, without any fringe of, of shadows, without any darkness. We'll see in the full bright vibrancy of the light that he, he, he dares shares with us. There will be no veil. There will be no shadows. It'll be the fullness of his glory. We are in the now and the not yet. But when he says he's blessed you with all the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, honey child, that means right here, right now, because you're not just in, you're not just in the world and you're not of the world, you are of him. And that's a huge difference. And that's how we can begin to say, oh Lord, I thank you that your glory not only fills my soul, but your joy fills my soul because I'm satisfied with an unsatisfiable satisfaction. I realize that though I'm in the world, I don't have to live by the pattern of this world any longer. I don't have to be conformed to the pattern, the pressure that this world puts, puts on me. I don't have to live under the strain of, of accomplishing this world's goals and gaining this world's goods. I have a heavenly home and I'm here, but I'm not here. And I'm talking, but I'm not talking. I'm praying, but I'm not praying because it's like I'm with God. I'm in union with Christ Jesus in the here and now, not just in the by and by. There possesses in my soul a likeness of Christ that could never have been imagined before. No man could have reached that, uh, that, uh, that accomplishment only by the saving grace of Jesus Christ who loved me so much he came down to the stinking rotten earth and for a while walked among us and he shed his blood on the cross for me and in three days he was raised from the dead so that he might live in me and I might live in him. Oh hallelujah. Oh hallelujah. Woo. <laughs> Amen. Brother Dale, sometime you're going to smile a little bigger. <laughs> I'm kidding. I thought I was just going to talk to you today, but I tell you the presence of the Lord, God is so good. You got to get this. You got to get this. Not what I've got. You got to get what he's got for you. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. All right, that's enough. Let's stand. Oh, yes. You got to get this. You got to get this. You got to get this. <laughs> you are in Christ. And Christ is in you. 
It's like the air you breathe. He's in you. I wish I could, I wish I could describe you, Lord. My speech fails miserably, so in trying to talk about you, Lord, in the fullness of your description to my spirit, I try, but your peace passes all my understanding. Your love goes further than any knowledge I could possess or claim as my own. Your love is so great. Help us to get it, Lord. God, give us revelation of who you are. Who you are in us and who we are in you. Lord, we don't have to go out today or tomorrow and walk feeling the pressures to conform to the pattern of this world any longer. But may the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, <laughs> oh God, give us a joy in the midst of those pressures. Give us a satisfaction in the midst of those temptations. <laughs> Help us to get it, Lord. Help us to get you somehow. In Jesus' name I pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you say, Pastor Troy, I want him. I want him, I want him, I want him. But I felt miserably so. I felt miserably so. You say, I don't feel at one with Christ today. I don't feel at one with Christ today. Perhaps it's because you've made mistakes and you've sinned and you've gone away from God. And for some reason, that fellowship, that abiding sense of God's presence is no longer there. That peace is no longer there. Or maybe you've never yet made a decision to follow Christ. Today, though, you're ready. And you want to put your trust in Him who gave His life for you. You want to give your life to Him. Today, you're ready to do that. On either count. I'm kind of sensing there's someone here today who really, really need to come back to God. He's like a heavenly father, like the father of that prodigal son or daughter waiting for you with open arms to welcome you home, honey. Well, how does that work? You know, when you get on your calculator, do you use a calculator anymore? You get on that calculator and you put in some figures and you try to add up or minus or whatever, but you hit the wrong number, you say, oh no, I made a mistake. What do you do? You go to that clear button and you hit clear. And all those mistakes are gone. You can start over. When you come into God and His grace, though you've sinned and you've made mistakes, you come to him and confess your sins he pushes that clear button and he pardons all your transgressions and he cleanses you from all unrighteousness the bible says 
he says, you're free. You're free. You're my son, my daughter. Let's get going. Let's get going with this. That's where you're at. That's who you are. That's what you want this morning. Please, all heads bowed and praying. Christians are praying. You say, Pastor Troy, that's me. I need to come back home to Jesus today. Pastor, I want to start today for the first time in my life, perhaps, a relationship with him. Either way, raise your hand right here, right now. Slip slip up your hand and say yes to him. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Someone else. Someone else. Raise your hand real high. Someone else. Raise your hand up. God bless you. Thank you for putting that hand up. Someone else. Raise your hand real high. God's calling you. He's calling you. You can sense it in your heart. Do it right now. Say yes to him. Yes to him. Amen. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you right now. You know very hard. You know the hand raised. We thank you, O oh Father, for wrapping your loving arms around us. This young lady right now, Lord. Wrap your loving arms around her, oh God. We welcome her home to you in Jesus' name. Even as we confess our sins, thank you for forgiving our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for allowing us, by your grace, to be one with you, united with Christ. Though we're in the world, we're no longer of this world. Let that sink down deep into her soul today. And may it be in all of us. Oh, God, let it be like a song in our hearts this week. I bless everyone here in the powerful, the strong name of Jesus. May the peace of the Lord fill your hearts and your minds. May the joy of the Lord in full measure be in your soul this week. May you go with the glory of the Lord and the peace of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, saints. Hey, let's come back next week, all right? Bring someone with you. I love you.